Sons, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the February 27th edition of the Sunny Side of Sports. We're now less than five months away to the Paris Olympics. The opening ceremony is scheduled for July 26th in the French capital. Skateboarding is returning to the Olympic program for the second time since the sport's official debut at the Tokyo Games three years ago. Paris 2024 will feature four medal events in skateboarding, men's park and men's street, and women's park and women's street. In South Africa, skateboarding is enjoying something of a revolution. The once predominantly male sport is attracting more and more women. Zahir Kassam reports from Johannesburg. Boards, helmets, knee pads, and a whole lot of determination to bounce back when you take a tumble. Welcome to Girlskate. It might not always look graceful, but it's a blast for these kids. Girlskate was founded by Shawnee Jacobs about 10 years ago when she realized she was often the only female in her local skate park. Shawnee was determined to spark a change. Today, she holds free training sessions in Soweto and other impoverished communities like this one in Kaya Sands. This was the perfect opportunity for me to get a skate park in for them and start doing sessions with them um, because I do believe that skateboarding can teach life lessons to the kids and it can help them a lot. Perseverance, confidence and a splash of self-expression. Jacobs is instilling these values in her students. 17-year-old Maya Mashaba has only been skating for three months, but is already feeling the thrill. Oh, I feel so good. Like, it's very fun. It's scary to see someone else doing it, but once you try, it's very nice. Mashaba has women's skateboarding trailblazers like skateboarder Bopelo Awua to look up to. She represented South Africa at the Tokyo Olympics in 2021. Awua was only 15 years old and unfortunately... An injury kept her out of the games, but her presence was part of a trend. Awa initially got into skateboarding because of her brother. She would see him in the yard skating with his friends, and when they weren't looking, she would borrow his board and start practicing. Today, the girls don't have to sneak around, play with the boys. Now I feel like they don't really have a choice because there's been such a rapid growth of female skateboarders, it's kind of become normal. And some of the female skateboarders, I mean, we're skating at the same level or very close level as the boys, so there's not really much they can do about it but just to accept it openly. Awua is trying to win a spot in this year's Olympic Games in Paris, and if she gets there, she wants her performance to bring even more goals to the sport that has given her so much joy. Siri Kassam, VOA News, Johannesburg, South Africa. It's time now for our Black History Month and African History presentation for today, February 27, 
On this day in 1988, Debbie Thomas became the first African-American figure skater to win a medal of bronze at the Winter Olympics in Calgary, Canada. Thomas also won the World Figure Skating Championship in 1986. Debbie Thomas went on to become a medical doctor. to my VOA colleague James Buddy for that Black History Month segment on former Olympic figure skater Debbie Thomas. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. More Olympic skateboarding. American Nigel Houston is hoping to get on the medals podium in Paris after finishing in seventh place in the men's street final in Tokyo in 2021. The 29-year-old Houston warmed up for the Paris Olympics over the weekend in the French capital. He finished third in a skateboarding competition at the Adidas Arena in Paris. Now, because of the pandemic, the Tokyo Olympic skateboarding competition took place with no fans Houston says the atmosphere in Paris will be a lot different. Yeah, I mean, I think the energy out there will be a lot better. Um, Tokyo was a little weird for everyone with, you know, no crowd, no hype, no homies there. So I'm excited to uh, give it another shot. It's going to be a fun one. Nigel Houston is regarded as one of the greatest skateboarders of all time. He's won 12 gold medals at the X Games. And he comments on the difference between the X Games and the Olympics. The difference from X Games and the Olympics is, well, the format's different. The format is similar to here in Street League. Um, the course will probably be a little bigger at the Olympics. Um, and obviously, I mean, it's the Olympics. You know, it's legendary. It's, it's, uh, it's worldwide. You're skating for your country. And to me, that I think that's like the biggest difference is like you, you feel that pressure from, you know, a whole country instead of just on yourself and on your friends and family and fans and stuff. Um, and skateboarding is such a, like a worldwide sport that I think, it's a, I think it's a special feeling for all of us to be able to go out there and represent where we're from. Nigel Houston is excited about representing the USA at the Paris Olympics, and he wishes Olympic skateboarding was on the program when he was younger. When I first heard, um, it was probably like, seven years ago now that it had a chance of making it in there I didn't really give it much thought beforehand but after people started talking about it I was like why why wasn't it in there back so many years ago like snowboarding is a good example I feel like skateboarding should have been in there when snowboarding was Um, but at least it's in there now I personally wish it was in there back a lot of years ago when I was younger so I got got some more chances but I'm happy that uh, you know I'm still at a point to compete out there with these guys and go out there and compete at a winning level. So I'm excited for Paris. It's going to be so sick. It's going to be so sick. That's Olympic skateboarder Nigel Houston of the USA. Sporty greeting. This is Victor Sime, Super Eagles of Nigeria and Napoli FC forward. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. 
can follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, and at voaafrica.com. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My X, formerly known as Twitter handle, is at VOA Sunny Sports. And if you go to voaafrica.com, you can listen online to the sunny side of sports as well as past episodes. Check out voaafrica.com for lots of Africa news. For world news, go to voanews.com. Straight Talk Africa. Two years after Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the war continues to pose a threat to global security. How is Moscow funding this war? Why is it spreading disinformation? We'll also look at how Russia uses gold from Africa to fund its aggression. Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa this Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. The leopards of the Democratic Republic of Congo have inspired hope among fans in and outside the DRC after the team's fourth place finish at the recent Africa Cup of Nations tournament in Ivory Coast. In this encore sunny side of sports feature presentation, Magume Davis Rakawinge reports. The Democratic Republic of Congo national football team, commonly known as the Leopard, meaning the Leopards, came into this year's 2023 Ivory Coast African tournament as one of the underdogs, having endured a series of mediocre results in the qualification campaign that resulted in the sacking of experienced coach Hector Cooper. Cooper was replaced by former Ghanaian coach Sebastian De Sabri in August 2022 and turned things around, enabling the Leopards to qualify as group leaders and play at Africa's biggest football stage for the 20th time. The French tactician De Sabri did not stop at just qualification but went as far as the semi-finals, losing to eventual tournament winners, hosts Ivory Coast by one goal to nil. Reaching that far was not a mean feat, yet not a lot was expected of them, says Congolese journalist Tuva Wundi. Wundi says the tough sail to the semi-finals brought hope. The target was, uh, okay, if qualification to the AFCON can be there, good, but uh, his target is to attend the World Cup. But now uh, the surprise came when uh, match by match Leopard meets uh, some team, Morocco, Zambia, and, uh, and so on. Uh, it was a, a big, big, big surprise for, for, for us here in, in DRC, especially in the east of the, the, the DRC. And uh, you can see uh, we are under war here in the North Kivu. And the uh, people was uh, like one uh, to support their uh, national team. When Leopard was in the ground, even in the uh, displaced camp, people was watching the match by night uh, to make uh, as uh, the normal life for them. If even they're in the, the bad, the bad, the bad situation, 
that is a spirit we saw when uh, this afcon uh, going and uh, our national team does what they will they want to to, to to give us a hope the DR congo has been troubled by years of conflict leading to millions of death and millions of displacements both within and outside of the country en route to the semi-finals the leopards confide from group f after massing through kosher points from World Cup semi-finalists Morocco, Zambia, and fellow East Africans, Taifa Stars of Tanzania. Abdul Kalim Kamiti is a Tanzanian football pundit. They impressed me during their defense. They had a very strong defense that, that helped them manage, go through the competition because Congo were one of the best defensive, defensive teams in the, in the competition as they were able to only concede five goals in the competition in seven games, which is very, very impressive. And they haven't conceded more than two goals in a single game throughout the tournament. So that makes them one of the best defensive team. And also their ability to build a play from the back, uh, from their defense. And they have like, um, they, they really, really de delivered for the East Africans and for the DR Congo themselves. Some fans have said it was sheer luck, but Coach Disabri insists it's rather hard work from a star-studded team, mostly composed of foreign best players, such as Chancel Mbemba Mangulu from French League A side, Marseille, and Enoch Enonga in defense, Arthur Maswaku, Gideon Kalulu, and England best Joanne Wisa, who plays for Premier League side Brentford Football Club as a winger, among others. Speaking colloquial Swahili, Flank Kambale, who comes from Lubumbashi, the Congo's second largest city, says the team gave them moments of joy despite the conflict back home. My team played very well. The only problem is that we still have hope back home. But the team played very, very well and comforted us. They really played very, very well, and we hope the next time they play at Afcon, they can again do well. Kambale fled for refuge to Uganda some five years back and lives in the Ugandan capital Kampala, where he works as a barber in a local saloon. The saloon employs Ugandans as well as Congolese, such as Light Nisago, who shares same sentiments. They were playing good. I like where, where they were playing, but I think they failed because of stress. People are dying then. East of, uh, Af East of Congo. It's that even me, it affects me. Not only them, even me. Right. But somehow you are somehow happy, somehow, isn't it? Yeah, I'm happy because they try. More than half a million Congolese live in Uganda, mostly as refugees, while others live here as businessmen and students. Ugandan Victoria Nabosa was pleased with the performance of her neighbors from the West. What I, I, I can talk about Congo, they played very well. The good thing they reached at the uh, semi-final, it was against Ivory Coast here. Yeah. Ivory Coast, they played very well. Unfortunately, I wanted that game to go to reach at the penalties, but it didn't reach. So I wished that Kong, if Congo would have gone to penalties, it, 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 it would have won that game because I was supporting it. I was feeling it that it, even at that game, there were so many people here watching because we, 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 we show football here. There were so many people. The Leopards were poised for at least a podium finish or not to be denied by the Royals' performance of tournament best keeper 
Lewin Williams as South Africa beat DR Congo 6-5 on penalties in the third match placement game. Nonetheless, fans, both in and outside DR Congo, were content with the team's overall performance. I'm called Gassim guy, but the real name they call me from South Sudan, I'm called Big Fish. I'm very, very happy with the South, with the Congo for what they have done. Actually, they represent South like East Africa, they represent East Africa, we are very happy for it. So we are proud of it and uh, we, we, we are wishing that next time. All like maybe three or four from East Africa country, they will represent East Africa again. And uh, next time, I think also as South Sudanese, we are trying to do best for that. My name is Bienfe Constante. I'm a Congolese living in Uganda. Regarding the performance of our team, the Leopards, it really performed well. I can only say that in terms of tactics and especially in attack, the team can just change a few things and do better. I was very, very impressed with that kind of performance, really, that they reached such a stage. <laughs> I just I just wish them good luck in the future games. I'm Aito S. Johnson from Liberia. Yeah, so I was, I'm from West Africa, Liberia, and then I was proud. My West African nation won the, 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 the African Cup of Nations, but we are still proud of East Africa. And then they make East African nation proud in the African Cup of Nations. Yeah, so I was so proud of them. For me living in East Africa and having some Congolese friends, I was proud of them reaching to the, to the third place. And then they took the full play. Unfortunately, they didn't win, but we are still proud of them. The team received the heroic welcome and were rewarded by the government as both fans and players danced both traditional and modern songs in celebration. For the sunny side of sports, I am Kume, Deputy Superintendent in Kampala, Uganda. relax, unwind, or charge up? Then listen to Music Time in Africa this weekend. It'll do all that for you and more. I'm Heather Maxwell. I know good music. And Africa is my passion. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for one hour of commercial-free Pan-African music of the highest caliber. You get great music, music news, and amazing artist interviews from rising stars to superstars. This listen will take you places. So do it. Join me for Music Time in Africa. Your weekend destination. And your sporty destination is right here. The sunny side of sports. Pro basketball in Sacramento, California. The shorthanded Miami Heat won their fourth consecutive game Monday night, beating the Sacramento Kings, as we hear now from the AP's Bruce Morton. 
Miami was missing some key players, but that didn't stop it from beating the Kings 121-110. Minus the suspended Jimmy Butler and the injured Tyler Hero, Heat coach Eric Spolstra wasn't surprised his team came through. We have guys that love competition and love these kind of scenarios. And, and look, these are rotation guys, so don't uh, don't undersell them uh, at all. Among those who stepped up were Bam Adebayo with a team-high 28 points. I feel like you have that mentality when you have guys out either way. So, you know, top two guys out. You know, obviously, coach called my number a lot tonight, and I made plays. The Heat have won four straight, while Sacramento's three-game win streak came to a halt. I'm Bruce Morton. Thanks, Bruce. Joining us once again on the sunny side of sports is my VOA colleague, Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty greetings, Muckbill. Sporty greetings, Sonny. What's going on? Muckbill in the closest, most controversial game Monday night. The New York Knicks edged the Detroit Pistons 113-111. to Wild finish. Detroit's coach quoted as saying, it was the absolute worst call of the season. Tell our listeners about it, Muckbill. Yeah, Sonny, that, that last uh, possession was just absolutely chaotic. Um, I do not blame Coach Monty Williams for his sentiments. To be honest with you, just watching it in real time, uh, it's very difficult uh, for a coach to stand by and see his team lose on a no call mm. like that. Mm. Uh, having a Knicks player uh, dive at the feet of uh, of one of the Pistons players, you think to yourself, lots the, of contact with the ref being right in front. It's got to be something, right? Whether it's a loose ball for or against the Pistons, there has to be a stoppage in the play there. Off, off. Uh, uh, oddly enough, the referees, uh, the crew chief James Williams, says they reviewed the play, and yes, a loose fall, a loose ball foul should have been whistled on New York's Dante DiVincenzo. Very odd for them to make a statement like that, Muckville. So, so my question then would be, Sonny, what does that do, right? You, you admit the fact that you guys got the wrong call in a pivotal game like this for a team uh, struggling, right, who is now 8-49 and 49, uh, mm. in this season. Coach Monty Williams basically is trying out for his position every single game. Uh, so if he doesn't get a couple of wins in rotation, he probably is, could potentially be out of a job. Um, you have a bunch of young players who are very talented, high lottery picks that are playing their butts off every single game, uh, but somehow towards the end of these critical games, they are not getting the calls that some of these other teams uh, are awarded. And all Coach was saying is that we just want a fair playing field. If this was the Los Angeles Lakers and LeBron missing out and losing a game in this fashion, this would be over every single media outlet and there would be outrage across the league. But because this is the Detroit Pistons and they have the worst league in the uh, the worst uh, uh, standings in the league at the moment, if I'm not mistaken, You're yeah, right. eight and forty-nine, worst record in the league, right? And the Spurs on the West have eleven and forty-seven, but they're three games over them. Yeah, you look at that and you think to yourself, uh, it's okay if we, you know, even if we come out and we admit it, what what does that mean for the game? Any chance that the Pistons can uh, 
had this uh, possession replayed, or maybe the game replayed, Muckbill? Great. That's a great question, Sonny. I have no idea what the NBA wants to do with this type of a decision. Plenty of times we've seen crew chiefs come out and say it in maybe an, a, an analyst role, but not so much about them speaking on behalf of all referees or of the refereeing body. But for the NBA to come out and say it from the refereeing body that this was a mistake and we, we missed the call. Okay, you missed the call. So where do we go from there? You, you, you came out and explained that what coach was saying was correct, but how do you then fix that? Right. Because just saying that it was the wrong call doesn't really do anything for you if you're not able to get give that last possession back to the Pistons. Yes. Right. And and then see what happens in those last, you know, couple of minutes. Maybe they get fouled. Maybe and they, they were leading. Right. When they, that, when that they, uh, they were, no call occurred, they were leading by a point. Right. So what happens? Maybe they go to the free throw line. Maybe they miss both and the Knicks come down and score. There's still a lot of very variables that could have happened. But. The game wasn't played to the best of the ability because the wrong call or the no call was the wrong call to be made at that time. Well, let's hope the NBA maybe makes the right call, Buck <laughs> There we go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at least gives the Pistons a chance to uh, go forward on this. But we'll wait and see. Uh, Sacramento, California, Muckbill. We heard from Bam Adebayo in that report from Bruce Morton. You know, I was thinking about the Heat, Muck Bill. Uh, they really kind of symbolize Bam's first name. Bam, you know, it, it, it sort of, you know, contact, rough. But that that's really Miami. They're, they are a tough team. And they proved it again last night. No, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, it was so interesting to see uh, some of the Miami players that uh, were in that scuffle uh, a game before uh, were suspended. Uh, amongst them were uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, Novich, I believe, Bryant and Kane all were not uh, eligible to play. They hosted uh, somewhat of a uh, watch party. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Right? Watch to, party. To watch their team uh, go out and win uh, against the Sacramento Kings. You know, Jimmy. Jimmy's one of those stars, man, that just – He's such a joy to watch on and off the court because of his big personality. Uh, I'm very interested to see what he does when he retires because uh, I, I can't really see him getting into like an analyst role. I think that's a bit too serious for him. But it'll be very interesting to see what he comes up with afterwards because the type of stuff he does, man, it's just it brings a smile to your face. <laughs> Adebayo uh, currently averaging more than 20 points and almost 11 rebounds a game for the Heat and. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say he is one of the uh, the, the key players for Miami, Muckville. Oh, absolutely. Ben put up 28 and 10 uh, alongside seven assists, man. The big man was dishing <laughs> some dimes, you know. So three three assists shy of a, uh, of a triple-double. Uh, alongside that, you had uh, Juarez Jr., who put up uh, 26 points as well. Um, yeah, it, it was a... Team effort. This Miami team is one of those teams that, as soon as the like they pass that All Star weekend and it's the second half of the season, seems like they start clicking, they start turning up, and this is now when they're getting into their motion right now. You can see that they're in the sixth position in the East right now uh, with 32 wins and 25 losses. 
I'm pretty much predicting that they stay in that anywhere between that fourth and that sixth slot. And wasn't it last year that they they basically ran the ran the course? They uh, got they got into the playoffs as a play in yep, team. Yep, and, and went kept all winning. the way all the way all the way to the finals. Yeah, yeah. So I got to believe. Uh, this is a team that really nobody wants to play in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, yeah, it, they're they're a team that, for whatever reason, um, being led by their leader, Jimmy Butler, he just has this mentality when it comes to the playoffs. I'm just not going to let you beat me, right? So he just comes out, puts his team on his shoulders. Uh, you've seen them beat Milwaukee, uh, who was pro- you know projected to to comfortably beat Miami Heat, but that wasn't the case. Uh, I believe also Giannis was injured for a couple of those games. Uh, Maybe if he stays healthy, it's different. But injuries are part of the game, Sonny. So you got to learn how to deal with them with or without some of your perennial all-stars. Finally, Muckbill, quick thoughts on Cade Cunningham. Let's give him a sunny side of sports shout-out for the Pistons. They lost that heartbreaker last night. But Cunningham, one of the up-and-coming young players in the league, Cade Cunningham is a baller, man, and it's very, very difficult to watch him um, in this Detroit Pistons team alongside uh, another star in Thompson, uh, one of the Thompson twins, really balling, but uh, having a very, very difficult time with this team. But uh, we'll see how they do, man. It's a young team, and I think they have a positive future. Muckville Yabaro, thank you, Muckville, for the NBA hoops analysis. Thanks also for your production this evening on the sunny side of sports. And let's also thank our engineer this evening, Audrius Regis. And thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports.